Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome, friends, to Heart to Heart with Anna. This is your guest host, Alex Jaworski, and I'm honored to host today's show, Congenital Heart Defect Advocacy. This is the 14th episode of Season 1, and the show originally aired on February 11th, 2014. Today's guests are Jody Lemax, Amy Baskin, and John Richings Jr., and we will discuss issues related to raising awareness about congenital heart defects. Now, let's enjoy today's show. And remember, friends, you are not alone. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 14th episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. This show on congenital heart defect awareness is extremely important on a number of levels. Why do we have to worry about promoting awareness? I think the biggest reason is because congenital heart defects are the number one birth defect. Currently, the Centers for Disease Control has been sharing a new statistic with us. One in 33 children is born with a birth defect. That's one in three children. We also know that one in 100 children are born with a heart defect. But did you know that that statistic does not include children born with bicuspic aortic valve or some other heart conditions? That means that more than 1% of our children are born with a congenital heart defect. In the United States alone, there are 40,000 babies born every year with a congenital heart defect. And worldwide, there are 1 million babies born with heart defects. And worse than that, congenital heart defects are the number one cause of birth-related deaths in infants one year of age and under. According to the Children's Heart Foundation, 100,000 of the 1 million babies born each year won't live to see their first birthday. With all of this information easily found on the Internet, why is it so few people actually know that babies and young children can have heart defects? With more than 40 different types of congenital heart defects, one would think that the public would want to know more about what causes these potentially fatal problems. Yet, we are still trying to figure out what causes and what can prevent most congenital heart defects. While finding the cure and prevention of congenital heart defects is important, preventing the loss of life is probably one of the most important things we can do right now. In the United States, twice as many children die from congenital heart defects each year than from all forms of childhood cancer combined. Yet funding for pediatric cancer research is five times higher than funding for congenital heart defects. 
Something is very wrong with that statistic, and it's up to each of us in the heart world to work on changing those statistics. The only way we can make a difference is to become an advocate, and that's why today's show, Congenital Heart Defect Advocacy, is so important. Today, we will meet three individuals who have first-hand knowledge of being an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. On our show is Heart Mom, Jody Lemax, who will share her experience and advice as a national program coordinator of Mended Little Hearts. We will also have another Heart Mom, Amy Baskin, who is also the president of the Pediatric Congenital Heart Association. And finally, we will meet a heart warrior. John Richings, Jr., who will be joining us today to share his experience dealing with lawmakers and how everyone's story matters. Jody Lemax discovered five months into her pregnancy that her son would be born with a severe heart defect that would require a complex operation as soon as he was born. Before Joshua was even born, Jody and her husband, Mark, were thrust into the roles of advocates for their son. First, they fought with medical policies in their insurance company. Now, Jody is fighting as an advocate in a different way. As a national program coordinator for one of the largest pediatric congenital heart defect support groups, she has become a strong advocate. Mended Little Hearts has worked together with the Children's Heart Foundation, the American Heart Association, and the American College of Cardiology's CardioSmart program to spread awareness of educational issues of importance in the heart world, to help raise money for pediatric congenital heart defect research, and to spread awareness of congenital heart defects. Jody also sits on the executive committee for the Congenital Heart Public Health Consortium. We'll meet Amy Baskin and John Richings later in our show. Thank you, Jody, for coming on our show. Thank you, Anna, and I really appreciate you inviting me here and for all you do. It's such a pleasure. Definitely the pleasure is mine. I think it's so empowering how you have grown from being an advocate for just your child to an advocate for all children and adults born with congenital heart defects. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with Mended Little Hearts and even became the national program coordinator for the group? Sure. You know, Anna, everyone has a day or maybe more than one day that changes the course of that person's life. And mine was on February 3rd, 2003 at 1 o'clock p.m. It was a Monday when I was told that my third son would be born with a severe and fatal congenital heart defect. I believe that most parents, when hearing this news, feel a lot like I do. They feel shocked, they're sad, they're angry, and probably really terrified. And I also felt very alone during this time. I desperately wanted to see another kid with the same heart defect. I wondered what they looked like, how they were doing, and whether they, in fact, were what I would say normal. And I also wanted to talk to another mom who could give me some assurance that I would make it through this because I really felt at many times that I wasn't going to. And unfortunately, at that time, Mended Little Hearts wasn't even in existence until 2004. So in 2005, when I was approached to start a local Mended Little Hearts group in Richmond, Virginia, even though I had a lot of concerns about starting the group because I was trying to care for my three kids, I felt like I didn't want any other parent to feel like I did and not have someone to talk to or not have someone to give them support. And so I started the local group in 2005. And then in 2007, I was invited to become staff for Mended Little Heart. And my background is in leadership consulting and law, but I knew I could make a bigger difference if I accepted the position. And it's been a challenge and one that I've loved and sometimes has been scary and filled with opportunities for growth. But I am currently still the only full-time staff. And I know what Mended Little Hearts does is making a difference all over the nation. Oh, I know it is, too. I love how you all have been working with other organizations. It's by uniting with all of these other organizations. That's how we're going to make a difference. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, many parents, grandparents, relatives of friends of children born with heart defects may wonder how they could become an advocate for the heart world, too. What advice would you give a volunteer who wants to get involved? First, I would tell them that anyone can be an advocate, and advocating is actually what creates change. And people often think that all advocacy has to do with working with legislators, and that's not true. Every parent or caregiver can start learning to be an advocate first for their child, and they can do this by making sure they ask questions at doctor's appointments until they really understand the answer and they feel comfortable with it. If they don't agree with something, they can be sure to speak up and get more than one opinion on some of the bigger issues that they need to address and bigger decisions that they need to make. They can also educate themselves by listening to shows like this one or by looking at other resources about their child's condition. These things not only make a difference in their child's care, but they can also educate medical professionals about what parents want and need to know to make the decisions. And people can also join their hospital's family advisory council if one exists. This is a valuable tool for hospitals because they can learn what parents need and serve them directly from people who truly understand it and been there. And finally, if people do want to get involved in legislative advocacy, there are many great organizations to get involved with, one being your next guest, Amy Baskin's organization, the Pediatric Congenital Heart Association. We also work with American Heart Association, especially on funding for medical research and pulse ox legislation and CPR in schools. In addition, we are working with the Adult Congenital Heart Association on their CHD Advocacy Day on February 26th and 27th. Of 2014. Jody, you have been working so hard in the heart world for such a long time now. Can you share with us what your favorite advocacy moment was? Well, I'll be honest with you and tell you that I don't really care for legislative advocacy, but I do feel it's vitally important. Having parents, caregivers, patients, and medical professionals and others come together to help make a difference is energizing and exciting. I think one of the things I love best is the synergy and collaboration that happens at advocacy events. So while I don't have one particular favorite moment, several moments of coming together are my favorites. I agree. I love getting to meet other heart moms, heart dads, grandparents, survivors. It just boosts me up. I love what you said at the very beginning, how you so desperately wanted to see another child who had the same heart defect that your baby would be born with. And you wanted to meet another mom who had already traveled the path that you knew you were going to be traveling. I think the fear of feeling like it's only happening to you and nobody else knows how you feel. I think that's exacerbated when you don't know anybody. And when we do get out of our shell and we do get a chance to meet these other people, it's exciting, don't you think? I absolutely think so. It's one of the things that makes me love what I do. When people come together, a lot of times the congenital heart defect world can be fractioned and people can be doing great things but not necessarily working together. And at events, advocacy events or awareness events, I see a coming together. And that's why I love PhD Awareness Week so much because people come together and they create awareness about congenital heart defects and all the issues that surround them. I love that. Absolutely. We do need to come together. And like you, this is the time that I do see all of us coming together and working towards the same cause, which is saving lives. Really, when you get down to it, what we all want to do is see no more children ever be born with a heart defect, right? Absolutely. Do you have any parting words of wisdom to our parents of children with congenital heart defects regarding how they can help teach their children at a young age how to be an advocate for themselves? I would say my most 
significant and important piece of advice, which is tell the parents to always focus on what your child can do and never on his or her limitations. Often we think about all the things our child is not going to be able to do. I remember when I found out about Joshua's heart defect, I thought, he's not going to play football, he's not going to do marathon running. And in reality, he plays baseball, he plays golf, he's completely happy doing that. There are many things he can do, and I always want him to feel like he's empowered to do many things and the things he wants to do. That's exactly what I want for my son, Alexander, too. I want him to feel empowered. All of us have certain kinds of limitations. I'm five foot one. I'm never going to be a basketball player. (laughs) We all have certain limitations, but that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy and appreciate those strengths that we do have. And I love it that you said that. One of the doctors who was on our show recently said exactly the same thing, that when they were analyzing all of the children's strengths and weaknesses, that while it's important to know what the weaknesses are so we can help them to overcome those weaknesses, she felt the most important thing to do was to focus on what our children's strengths were. So I love it that you brought that up. I think that is something that we need to get out there. That's a message that all parents need to hear. Your children are special and unique, and they do have some strengths. Let's focus on what they can do. Jody, thank you so much for coming on my show and sharing so much valuable information with my listeners. Thank you again, Anna, for having me here. I appreciate it. Now it's time for a commercial break, but don't leave yet. Coming up, we have a heart mom who will share with us how she went from working for a national heart group to starting a heart group of her own. Find out what her new organization is and what she hopes to accomplish when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, A handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. 
Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. We just finished talking with Heart Mom and National Program Coordinator of Mended Little Hearts, Jody Lemax, who shared some really valuable information with us about how individuals can become advocates in the heart community and how parents can train their children to become advocates for themselves. Now we will turn our attention to Amy Baskin. Amy Baskin was thrust into the world of congenital heart disease, or CHD, nine years ago with the birth of her son, Nicholas. The first three days of his life included three hospitals, a helicopter ride, and heart surgery to repair a severe coarctation of the aorta. While Nicholas was an infant, Amy told her story to lawmakers in Washington, D.C., She then realized the power of the individual story and the positive impact it can have on others. Amy has led congenital heart disease advocacy efforts for many of the largest CHD organizations and coalitions. Her accomplishments include the introduction, passage, and funding of the Congenital Heart Futures Act, the development and growth of the Congressional Congenital Heart Caucus, as well as coordinating national messaging for the critical CHD screening movement. Amy recently became president and CEO of the Pediatric Congenital Heart Association, which will unite and amplify the voices of those in the heart world. Please make sure you visit her website. It's www.conqueringchd.org. Thank you, Amy, for coming on Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks, Anna. First, let me take this opportunity to thank you for all the work that you're doing. Your efforts to spread awareness are remarkable, and hopefully we'll stand to inspire others. I mean, you truly are an advocate for congenital heart disease. Well, thank you. I think we heart moms are moms on a mission, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I think that's how I started out, as this a simple mom on a mission, and nine years later, working with others and uniting others to help make a difference. I know that's one of the things I love about you. Boy, you just jumped right in really early. I've been around for 19 years. It feels like it was kind of a slow beginning for us to start uniting people. But, you know, way back when, when Alexander was born, we didn't even have the Internet. So I think having the Internet has really helped us to find each other, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. The Internet has been a great resource to connect people and spread information a lot more quickly. And through social networks, people can share their concerns, but also have avenues to use their story in a constructive and positive way. And that's what I want to focus on, first of all, the use of story. I talked about in your bio how you went on the hill. That seems so intimidating to so many of us. Can you tell us about your first experience telling your story and maybe how other people in the heart community can feel comfortable going out and doing the same thing? I have to confess, I was scared to death. I was invited. (laughs) Nicholas was just six months old when I was first invited to go to Washington, D.C. and share my story with lawmakers. And we were still dealing with regular doctor's appointments. Nicholas was recovering well from his surgery, but it was still a very overwhelming time as a family adjusting to having a kid with special medical issues. And my emotions were just below the surface the entire time I was preparing to go to Washington. And I think I cried for the first 20 minutes I was on the airplane. When I got to Washington, D.C., I was united with several other advocates, so I felt comfort in the fact that I didn't have to go alone. However, when it came time to telling my story, I realized I was very much out of my element and really 
didn't feel comfortable at all. Through encouragement and support of the other advocates, I told my story to the lawmakers. And again, my emotions were bubbling at the surface. And in fact, I did break down halfway through my story. But the reaction from the lawmaker's staff, watching her get engaged in my story and seeing the tears in her eyes in response to my experience really made me realize that my story made a difference. My story was able to impact someone else, and that someone else was actually a pretty powerful person who was able to affect change. And while we were there to talk about research, my only responsibility as an advocate was to share my story and let other people know that as a mom, I'm experiencing things that are scary and difficult and challenging. And by sharing that with others, I am allowing them to be better educated and make decisions that can impact millions of people with congenital heart disease. Absolutely. You gave a face to what congenital heart defects was all about. Now, when people who had spoken to you think about congenital heart defects, they think about Amy Baskin and they remember Amy's story. I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that she broke down. I've been doing this for 19 years. Like I said, I went last year and I met John Richings and I met you there. And I was nervous, too, even though I've been in Toastmasters, even though I've given speeches around all of North America, still getting up and talking to people who had some opportunity to actually do something. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to do the wrong thing. But I knew that in the end, the most important thing was that we had our story told. And people now, instead of just thinking about something abstract, congenital heart defects, they knew Alex's story. They knew your son's story. Thanks to Jody, we know Joshua's story. And I think that that power of that story is that it gives people something to focus on when they think about something as complicated as congenital heart defects. Absolutely. Living with congenital heart disease isn't easy. And advocating is a great way to take that tough story and use it to make a difference. And since that first visit, I have become much more practiced at telling my story and it has gotten easier. And I have heard back from many lawmakers that the power of the story is really what makes a difference. The statistics, will be there and they will always be there, but it's the story that gets remembered when it comes to making a decision and making a change. And I love what you just said there because what people need to know, anybody who's thinking about going to Washington or even if you're thinking about meeting with your governor, your next door neighbor for heaven's sakes, anybody who needs to know about heart defects, it doesn't matter if you're perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Your story doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to come from your heart. And people see when you're genuine and they see the compassion you feel for your child. And now that we feel for all children and adults who are in the heart world, I think that that's the message that comes through. Don't you think, Amy? Yes, absolutely. So you've taken part in a number of advocacy awareness events. Can you tell our listeners ways that they could also take part in different events to share information about congenital heart defects? Absolutely. Many people, when they think of advocacy, they think it only happens in Washington, D.C. And while one of the most powerful gestures you can make is to make the effort to travel to Washington and visit with your lawmakers, there is much, much advocacy work that can be done right at home. Advocacy really is about developing relationships, and those relationships need to be nurtured all year long. But I do want to highlight some of the things that we can do in February and all year long as an advocate. We can work together to establish state and federal proclamations and resolutions. You simply need to write your state legislators and ask them to highlight the fact that February 7th through the 14th is Congenital Heart Awareness Week, and they can create a proclamation or a resolution. 
And one of the things that you can do then is to request a public signing for that proclamation or resolution, which is another way to unite your local heart defect community and travel to the state capitol for a very public awareness event surrounding advocacy. Other things that you can do just simply involve educating your lawmakers. In February, it's a great time to write Valentine's Day cards. You can either write them by hand and send them in the mail, including a picture of you or your child. You can write a brief statement about your story and why Valentine's Day and congenital heart disease awareness is important to you. You can make a phone call and wish them a happy Valentine's Day. You can also send them an email on their website. So it can be as simple as making a phone call or sending an email. It can be as complicated and challenging as traveling to Washington, D.C., but I want people to understand that there are very simple things that you can do immediately in uniting your local community or whether it's joining with people across the country. Advocacy is something that everybody can do. Oh, I love that. Advocacy is something everybody can do. Even the children who are survivors, children as young as five, six, seven years old, they know that their heart is special. They know when they look down on their chest and they see that scar that nobody else has, that something happened to them. And I took my son Alexander to my niece's school when she was doing the jump rope for heart program. And we talked to her class about how even children can have heart defects. Alexander, completely unprompted by me, lifted up his shirt to show everybody. So yes, even our children can be advocates. Alex wanted the children in Megan's class to see, hey, look, I have a scar. I've had heart surgery. He was just a little kid when that happened, but he was able to be an advocate for himself and for others. And I think what you've pointed out, too, I want to capture that idea, that advocacy doesn't necessarily mean just talking to your lawmakers. As Jody said, advocacy is empowering your child to be able to conquer his fears and achieve all that he wants to accomplish, but it's also for parents to advocate amongst their doctors to get the appropriate health care and for adult patients to get appropriate health care, but it's also simply spreading awareness among peers, classmates, office mates at your church. There are many different opportunities to advocate advocate and educate the community about issues related to congenital heart disease that might not directly impact on legislators. And other ways to do that would also include letters to the editor, publishing something in your church newsletter, asking that something be added to your community newsletters. There's countless different ways that you can bring awareness and advocate to the community and to your peers. All of those suggestions are so perfect. Well, Amy, we only have about a minute left, and I know everybody wants to know about your new organization. So please tell us why you started your new organization and what your mission is. Absolutely. The Pediatric Congenital Heart Association kind of grew out of my work with all of the other incredible congenital heart disease organizations. And over the last several years, it became evident that there really needed to be a united effort towards advocating for pediatric congenital heart disease and congenital heart disease across the lifespan in Washington, D.C. So our mission at Pediatric Congenital Heart Association is simple. We just want to conquer congenital heart defects. And we hope to accomplish that by uniting the community. We are developing opportunities to bring organizations together. We've developed opportunities to bring federal agencies together. And now we're also working on bringing the community at large. The power of one voice can be magnified tremendously when it's united with other voices. And that's our goal, is really to just continue the momentum that's been built by all of these other wonderful folks and be the flagship that drives it forward uh, so that we can hit a home run. Well, I 
for one, can't wait to see what you come up with. I saw your newsletter yesterday, and it made me so excited about what you're doing. And I hope that I can take a little part in what you're doing. And I'm so happy that through the radio show, we can let other people know about what you're doing. Well, thanks, Anna. And I encourage people to find us on Facebook. You can join us and partner with us through our website online. And getting our newsletter, as you mentioned, is probably one of the best ways to get a behind-the-scenes peek and ways to get involved. Terrific. Why don't you give the address for your website one more time, and then we're going to have to go to a commercial break. It matches our mission, so it's conqueringchd.org. Well, thank you, Amy, so much. I've really enjoyed our session. Well, thank you, Anna. Again, what a privilege to be a part of this great effort that you have going. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's been my pleasure. Now it's time for us to take a commercial break, but don't go far. Stay tuned to find out what an adult survivor of congenital heart defects has done to become an advocate for the CHD community and whether or not he thought it was a good idea when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blues Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. That's Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we have been talking with two wonderful women, and I've so enjoyed meeting Jody Lemax and Amy Baskin. And I hope you listen to those first two segments. Now we get a chance to meet Heart Warrior John Richings. John Richings is a 42-year-old father who was born with pulmonary atresia and a small but functional right ventricle. He has had three open-heart surgeries and over 30 cardiac catheterizations. He has had a repaired valve, a replaced valve, part of his heart removed, and an implantable cardioverter defibrillator, which is known as an ICD, placed in his heart to make his heart beat. 
In his time, he has had more than a few opportunities to advocate for his own health. More recently, in 2013, he attended an Advocacy Day function in Washington, D.C., representing not only himself, but others in the congenital heart defect community. He has also written letters to his congressmen and senators. He uses his personal Facebook page to promote congenital heart defect awareness and also shows how he lives a normal life. He monitors a Facebook group called Adult Congenital Heart Defect Patients Answering CHD Parents Questions. Its aim is to help parents understand what it's like growing up with a CHD and to help them advocate for their children's health. John, you and I got a chance to meet in Washington, D.C. last year, and I want to welcome you to the show. I'm so excited you could come on today. I'm excited to be here, Anna. I really appreciate you asking me to do this. I think it's awesome what you do. Well, thank you, and I think it's awesome that an adult survivor traveled all the way to Washington, D.C. to not only speak for himself, but to speak for others. So tell me whether or not that was your first time to ever go to an event like that and what lessons you learned from your experience. It was my first time, and I had an absolute blast doing it. I wasn't the only adult congenital heart patient there. I met a lot of people that I talked to online, and I learned a lot of things. I think the two most important things that I learned or realized is that, one, you know, you go to talk to these senators and your representatives, and you sort of have this feeling almost like we can talk like for, you know, any kind of public figure. But once you sit down and talk with them, you realize these, these are just people. They have families. They have wives and children and have lives. So they can really relate. They've had problems in their life, too. So they can relate to the problems you have. So you don't need to be nervous talking to them. They're just regular people who have a, a very important job. The second thing I learned is really I've worked in retail and sales for years and years, and advocating is sales. I mean, what you're doing is you're selling your story. You're telling people your story so that they remember you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to forget all the statistics. What they're going to remember is you and your story. And that's all you're really doing. You're going and you're telling your story. It really makes a huge difference. It really does. And I think that we're not doing it by ourselves. We had a lot of people in Washington. It wasn't just one or two of us. No. And in fact, when we went, they sent us out in groups. So you were with three or four other people and they were all telling their story as well. So it wasn't a matter of having to go in alone. You had people there backing you up, people that could relate to what you were going through. They're just people, but they are people with very important jobs and they are people who can influence changes in our society. So it is an important time. We really don't have much time, do we, John? No. And that absolutely goes back to the sales thing. You want to go in there and know what you want to say and be able to say it because you're right. They don't give you very much time. You go in, you have a few minutes for each person and then you're out the door again. But they are just people. I mean, you're correct. They have very important jobs. They're the ones that can do what we want done, but you you don't have to be super nervous facing them because they're relatable people. They understand all that stuff that you're going through. And you're right. They can relate to people who have health issues that they're dealing with. And really, fundamentally, that's what we're talking about, people who have some very serious health issues. I think just about everybody can relate to something like that. Don't you think, Joan? Absolutely. I'm sure all of them have had somebody somewhere in their family who has had to go through some sort of surgery or or some sort of health problem. So, Mm -hmm. yes, they absolutely can relate to you. And it's important to kind of remember that going in. I think it reduces your nerves a little bit when you realize they're just another person. But when you've seen them on the newspaper or you've seen them on television, it's hard to remember that they're just another person. Well, John, I see you on Facebook 
all the time promoting understanding between parents and their children and what their children may be experiencing. And you even help adults making sense out of what's happening to them. How do you feel we can use Facebook as a tool to inform people outside our heart community about congenital heart defects? Social media is, is a wonderful tool, both Facebook and Twitter. And the issue with it becomes when you become a member of the CHD community, you gain a lot of CHD friends, and, and it's great that that happens. It absolutely is, is wonderful, but that doesn't get your story out to other people, so you have to allow other people that aren't part of the community onto your page, which means you either have to make it public or, at the very least, make all your posts available to friends of your friends so that your posts are getting out there to people that, that don't know about congenital heart defect. So you're educating the public every time you make a post about whatever it is you're doing that day. And that's my biggest thing is really you have to be able to allow people to see what you're putting on your page. And it can be scary because we lose our anonymity. When we post pictures of our children in the hospital or of us with our children in the hospital, you lose a certain sense of anonymity. Coming on the radio, you lose a certain sense of anonymity. But you're right. We have to sacrifice that to let people who aren't even part of the heart world know that we exist. Know that these problems are apparent, not only apparent, they're the number one birth defect. And that if we don't all work together, and even the people who don't have a child with a heart defect, we need everybody to work together or else we're never going to get rid of this problem. Yeah, absolutely. We can go and, as advocates and go and can talk to the government, but when you have people that know people that are in the situation involved in it, now it becomes even bigger. Now it's not just this small group of people as, as we tend to be thought of, I think, by the government. Now it, it's a whole bunch of people behind these people. It's not just them by themselves. And in order to do that, unfortunately, yes, you do have to lose some of your privacy to do that. You know, you don't have to share your, obviously, your most private moments, but, you know, your average everyday things that you do and, and even silly mistakes that you make and that kind of thing. You sort of have to put yourself out there to do that. Well, and, and I love seeing you playing your instrument on Facebook and stuff. You give me hope for my son that as a survivor, he'll be able to lead a normal life. I love that, that you're out there doing that. And you are promoting not just the fact that you've been in the hospital or had 30 catheterizations, but also that, hey, I play an instrument. Hey, I'm a dad. I'm out here supporting my son's activities or my child's activities. We are so much more than just our heart defects or our children's heart defects. And I love how you use Facebook, Twitter, all of the different social media to help people to see that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about normal life, and I think, and I tell parents this quite a bit in my Facebook group, what you consider not normal, your child considers normal. I mean, the fact that he has to go to see the cardiologist twice a year, the fact that, you know, he has to have an EKG every time, the fact he's been in the hospital, all that stuff is normal to him. He doesn't know him or her. He doesn't, you know, they don't know any different. That is their life. And if you treat it like it's some huge major thing, which, you know, it, it is obviously, but, but if you treat it like it's this traumatizing thing, then it becomes traumatizing. If you treat it as this is something we need to do and then we can move on, then it becomes something that becomes empowering. For them. It becomes part of their regular normal routine. Exactly. I always tried to treat Alec and the fact that he had to take medications on a daily basis as a matter of fact. If he had had diabetes, he would be having to take his blood and he would be having to test his blood and blood sugar levels. But if he had cancer, we would have a different set 
of things that we have to do. So for his heart defect, you're right. It was a matter of fact that he had to take medication. He had to see and still has to see the cardiologist twice a year. He has to do halter monitors and echoes and all of these different things. It's a matter of course. And I love that. Don't make a big deal about it. And then your child won't make a big deal about it either. They'll just know it's just part of who I am. Well, we only have about a minute left, so tell me what advice you would offer parents of children with complex congenital heart defects so they do learn how to be strong advocates for themselves from a very young age. My biggest thing, if you want to empower your kids to become advocates for themselves, you need to involve them in some sort of decision-making process at an early age, you know? Even something as simple as, do you want to take your medication before breakfast or after breakfast? Mm -hmm. That's a decision they can make. Obviously, it's going to be a small decision, but it's a decision that gets them involved. And once they're involved in an early age, they become much more able to advocate for themselves when they get older. They're less likely to sit back and not ask the questions that they have, you know, when they're at the doctor's office. Involve them early in, in small decisions and then let them, as they grow, involve them in the more important stuff as they become old enough to engage in that kind of thing. Absolutely. I remember when Alex was little and we were in the store picking up his, what was then called baby aspirin. Now they call it low-dose aspirin. I turned to him and I said, would you rather have the cherry or the orange? Now, there wasn't a choice, do you want it or not? That wasn't the choice. The choice was, would you rather have the cherry or the orange? And you're right, that did empower him. I didn't even think about that then, John, but right, I wanted him to be vested in what we were doing to take care of his body. And this is something that we need to teach them from a young age. I love that advice. Spoken like a true heart warrior. Thank you, John, so much for coming on the show today and for helping us to understand a little bit better what it was like for you to grow up with a heart defect. Well, thank you for having me, and I really appreciate it. Well, now it's time for another commercial break, but don't leave yet. It's almost time for our miracle moment. And today's miracle moment is an essay from the heart of a mother entitled Working with the Media. Find out how Jane Hunt found a way to get her message in front of the media when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a non-profit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. 
If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. That's Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to the 14th episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart to fit community. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. And I think we can definitely say for the first part of our show with Jody and Amy and John, we now know more about how to empower ourselves and our community. These three guests were just tremendous. They gave such absolutely perfect advice and shared such beautiful stories. I'm all pumped up. I'm ready to start writing letters and send out valentines. And I'm glad I could take notes during the show because these people have given me all kinds of new ideas for ways that I can be an advocate in my community. Now let's go to our miracle moment. Today, our miracle moment starts on page 200 in the heart of a mother and is called Working with the Media, Jane Hunt. Jane Hunt is the mother of a child with a severe complex heart defect. Marcus's heart defect, summed up in the label single ventricle, has been reconstructed through a number of operations culminating in the Fontan procedure. Ever since Marcus's heart defect was identified, Jane has been his strongest advocate and shortly thereafter became a public advocate for all children born with congenital heart defects. While thinking about what advocacy is and who seemed to personify advocacy, Jane's name popped into my head first. Jane, a well-educated, articulate woman, clearly states her concerns and needs to others. She impressed the doctors treating her son enough that they referred reporters to her on a number of occasions. The cardiothoracic surgeon who treated Marcus chose Jane and her family to participate with him in a television spot sponsored by the American Heart Association regarding congenital heart defects. In this spotlight, Dr. Stephen DeWan and Jane Hunt explained what it is like to have a child with a congenital heart defect as well as the specifics surrounding Marcus's complex heart. Using a model of the heart, the reporter even explained to the audience how the heart is replumbed after the Fontan operation. Jane was also interviewed for a hospital publication to share information about a Milagros, a support group she helped to start. She advocated the need for parents to talk to others as well as an opportunity to continue educating themselves about lifelong effects of congenital heart defect. Patrick Finnegan, MD, Marcus's pediatric cardiologist, was also interviewed for the article. He emphasized the importance of parents supporting each other by recognizing that families of chronically ill children tend to have a high incidence of emotional problems and divorce. He felt that support groups could benefit families, which would in turn benefit the afflicted children. Perhaps the most exciting activity Jane took part in came after Marcus was selected to be the Pediatric Cardiology Miracle Child for the Children's Miracle Network for the Central Texas region. Marcus's story was told by Jane and his doctors, and the CMN team put together an incredible presentation on him. When viewing the presentation for the very first time, Jane found herself crying and marveling at the strength of her baby. Because Marcus was videotaped after his Fontan, Jane was struck with how far he had come and how strong he looked. The story of Marcus's life reported by an unbiased stranger took Jane down memory lane and left her inspired. Jane's desire has been to inspire, educate, and support other parents as well as the community at large. With the help of her child's doctors and nurses who run Milagros, the Children's Miracle Network, and the reporters who have spread the news, Marcus inspires others. He is living proof of the miracles of modern medicine. 
His mother is proof that the power of a mother's love can change the world. And that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Please come back next week. Until then, please like and find us on Facebook. Check out our website, Heart to Heart with Anna. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. 